hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. What are the things that worry you? One of the things on my mental list is contracting Ebola. I know it's crazy, but every time I hear about an outbreak, I start thinking about what if it makes its way here to the U.S.? Contracting Ebola has to be one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. One of the worst. But folks, if you worry about this, I have some good news for you. You can go ahead and take it off your list of things to worry about, or at least you can move it way down the list. And that's because scientists testing Ebola drugs in the Democratic Republic of Congo seem to find something that might work. One of the drugs that they were testing showed extremely promising results. And when I say extremely promising, I mean, as in 90% of the patients who took the drug soon after being infected survived. 90%. That's huge. That's awesome. And you're probably wondering, why is Whiteman talking about Ebola? Well, one, because I don't think anyone can argue that this isn't good news. And two, which is the real reason, is that the drug that was tested was developed by Regeneron, symbol REGN. And that's a company that I owned and that we've talked about on the show here before. Now, let's face it, finding an effective treatment for Ebola, it's great news, like I said, but it isn't going to move the needle on the stock because the patient pool or the number of people who become infected with Ebola, that number isn't really that large. But what it is, is it's a great validation of Regeneron's scientific process. Five years ago, maybe the stock would have gotten a boost because it is kind of cool news. But Wall Street's a bit cool on the large biotech companies now because everyone's worried that the policymakers in Washington are going to go after higher drug prices. And as such, the biotechs are down maybe 10 or 15% over the last 12 months. Well, with that said, Regeneron, symbol REGN, it's a quality, well-run business. I got to tell you, it's a quality, well-run business that produces a good amount of free cash flow. And on the surface, when you look at it, well, they may look more expensive than some of the other biotechs, but when I sit back and I start adjusting for the elevated selling expenses that they've had, they actually look relatively inexpensive to me. Over the last couple of years, they brought out some, uh, brought out a couple of very successful drugs. And when you do that, you got to marketing, uh, do the marketing for them. And well, your spending goes up for a while. I think that they're a great portfolio partner when you put it together with a high quality pharma company. I never like to own the biotechs just by themselves in my portfolio. I always like to have them alongside that core type drug stock, like a like a Johnson and Johnson symbol J and J, or even a Merck symbol uh, MRK. When I have my core type drug stock, then I would add the Regeneron alongside it. And if you can be patient, no no pun intended. If you can be patient, I'd consider Regeneron under 300. Remember, you always have to do your own research. 
If you need help or have a question, well, you can reach out to us. Send us an email. It's podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. If you go to the website and get our phone number there too. Last week, I talked about dividends for a few minutes and I wanted to come back to it because after the show, I came across a piece from Goldman Sachs where they pointed out that the valuation gap between high yielding dividend stocks and those with lower yields is now close to the widest it's been in 40 years. Investors for the last few years or last several years have been focused on paying up for growth. 20% of the S&P 500 companies with the highest dividend yields trade at about half the consensus forward price ratio, price to earnings ratio of the 20% in the low with the lowest yields. So the highest yields trade at about 11 times earnings. The lowest yields trade at about 23. Now, I'm not one to go yield chasing. I want to look at stocks with strong dividend growth, high yields, reasonable payout ratios. And let me just go ahead and give you a few to think about. And maybe you'll come across one that you can research and you want to add to your portfolio. Let's set, let's set some standards here first, instead of just going out and settling for the first stock that comes along. We want the payout ratio to be better than average, right? So the Dow Industrial Average is probably paying about 2.3%. Let's go with that. We want better than a 2.3% dividend yield. We want to see it growing. And we want to make sure whoever is paying is likely to keep paying it. So we'll look at the payout, payout ratio. First up, T, AT&T. And that's an easy one for me because I've been talking about it over the last few months. The stock is north of $35 now, and it's paying $2.04 a share in dividends, which means it's yielding just about five and three quarters percent. You know what? Too low. I drew a line in the sand a while back, and I'm only going to buy it if it's yielding more than 6%. But keep your eye on it. I'm, de- I'm demanding more in the payout here because they really haven't been growing the dividend all that much over the last few years. Mostly because they've been putting that free cash flow towards other things like acquisitions. Think Time Warner. Now, if they were growing it faster, maybe I would take a lower current yield. But they're not. It certainly looks like they can increase it going forward because the payout ratio is 56, uh, 56%. That's according to Value Line. And what that means is that AT&T is paying out 56% of its net profits by, by the way of a dividend. For most companies, I'd say that's too high. But for AT&T, that's actually the lowest number that it's been in 15 years. So it's not bad for them. They've taken on a lot of debt to pay for time, the Time Warner acquisition. So I imagine that they'll be paying down some of that debt before they take a look at, you know, making any huge increase to the dividend. They'll increase it just kind of steady eddy and maybe not so much. Johnson and Johnson is another one. While the stock is trading at about $132 now, it's just about in the 3% club. 
think about this for a second because rates are so low. I can buy a Johnson and Johnson, a J and J, and get a three percent yield, or according to Value Line, I can buy an A-rated utility bond that matures in twenty-five years and get three point two percent. What's the average investor going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy J and J because I can get just about the same yield. And I think it's probably a good wager that J&J stock price is going to be a lot higher in 25 years. And the bond price is not going to increase all that much. That's the hope. They're paying out 50% of their net profits in the form of the dividend, and they've been growing it. Over the last 10 years, they've increased it at about 7.5% per year on average. And according to the rule of 72, the dividend has basically doubled over the last 10 years. And you won't see that happening with bonds. Just for the record, they've raised the dividend every year for the last 57 years. I'll say it again, 57 years. Caterpillar, symbol C-A-T. It's interesting. I like the stock, even though nobody else does, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. Everyone is worried about China and a recession, and now I think they're worried about recession in China. C-A-T, Caterpillar, it's a good business. Yes, it's cyclical, but a good business. I think the darn thing is priced for the apocalypse at this point. It's the cheapest it's been in 15 years. But today we're talking about dividends. CAT is in that 3% club. It's currently paying about a 3.5% dividend. Now, with these cyclical type of businesses, you'll look and see that the payout ratio might be low now. With CAT, it's about 28%. But when things get rocky, and earnings fall, that payout ratio can shoot right up. With CAT, I'm okay with that because they've been paying an increasing dividend for more than 25 years. So it's clearly important to them. They've grown that dividend at about 8.5% per year on average, which is pretty darn good. Intel, INTC, they've been growing, they've been growing their dividend at about the same rate actually 9% per year on average for the last 10 years. And right now, the dividend amounts to about two and three quarters percent. And the stock is trading about 10 times earnings. Now, before I forget, let me give a shout out to the kids from Loudoun County. And that's where I live. The team from South Riding is playing on the big stage, the Little League World Series. I hope you've been watching this. And so far, so good. They're 2-0. and Maybe they're 3-0 by the time you hear this. But either way, congratulations to these kids. That's just an awesome achievement just to even get into the World Series. But if you're listening, since you're there, you might as well win it. Win it all. Let's take a quick look at the market and then we'll get out of here. Since early spring, investors have been moving into safe havens. They've been And they've been rewarded for doing that. The defensive names like the utilities, the REITs, and the consumer staples have been, uh, and that's not to mention the high-quality corporate bonds and treasuries. Well, they've, they've all done well. At this juncture, if you think volatility is going to be around for a while, and I do, the investing landscape becomes more challenging, which is good for value players like 
like us, in my opinion, it's going to be the large cap companies with solid balance sheets and strong cash flows that are going to be the best bets. Those are the companies that usually do the best in uncertain times and in the later stages of the economic cycle. That's where I'd be looking. The quality large cap names that are paying good and growing dividends. Okay, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman. This is Common Sense Investing. We'll be back next week. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.